Douglas. What's up, what's up? It's your boy AT and your boy AE coming to you live and direct with another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life where we break down the bars, relate to the rhymes so we can shed light on our lives. Just listen. Welcome to another episode of Bars, Rhymes and Life. Alan, how are you feeling today, my brother? Feeling good, man. You feeling a little bit neighborly today? Always love thy neighbor. <laughs> Jeez! We are back with Cole, J. Cole Neighbors. Alan, why the pick this week? So, I think I might have mentioned this last time that I'm not super well versed in J. Cole's catalogue. Apart from Forest Hills, I don't know a lot of his earlier albums. And so this song actually came to me as a recommendation from Mary. She found it on her Spotify algorithm. She assumed I already knew it, but I didn't. So yeah, schooled again on Hip Hop by Mary. But immediately I liked the track. I thought it was like there's loads of interesting things to talk about. And I thought this is going to be a BRL track. So yeah. What did you make of it? I, I figure you knew it already. Yeah, I, I love this track. I also love another track of the album, Deja Vu. Grabs me in so many ways for so many different reasons. So check that out if you get a chance, Alan. Why I'm really glad that you brought this track is you get to do a little bit of extra research. So I've heard this song plenty of times, especially when the album came out. But I had no idea about the backstory behind it. So here's the backstory behind it, which I ripped off the rap genius. Neighbours draws inspiration from an incident on March 18th, 2016, involving the house Cole rented, nicknamed Shelter, but spelt S-H-E-L-T-U-H, in North Carolina to use as a studio. The house was raided by a SWAT team after complaints from neighbours who assumed that the house was being used to produce and sell drugs. No narcotics were found. And to top it all off, this beat is actually the instrumental of his 2013 track, Forbidden Fruit, played in reverse. He revealed it during, one of his producers revealed that during a concert. So I had, I had no idea about this stuff. Like I knew this song. I knew this song, but I had no idea that it actually has a true source material behind it. And it's the reverse of a track that he's, he's played before. That's sick knowledge. That's unbelievable That's knowledge. That's really cool. So that is really cool. nothing but the biggest shout out I love to Mary, because she brought this to my attention too <laughs> she schooled me without indi- like she schooled me indirectly without knowing she schooled me man facts <laughs> let's get into it you're up first yeah i don't want a picture with the president i just want to talk to the man i don't want no picture with the president i just want to talk to the man snap 
I feel like this with so many famous people that I admire, Alan. Like, if I had the chance to meet J. Cole or Kendrick, if you ask me, Abby, you could have a photo with both of them and get it signed and be able to sell it for like 10 grand or something, or have two hours to speak to them both, I'd pick the latter. Because I know what I might get out of those conversations would be priceless to me. So, you know, I don't want a picture with a president. I just want to talk to the man. Like, I just think that that's, I, I buy into that train of thought immediately. But for the sake of balance, and you have to be balanced, you know I'm all about balance, yeah. I have to say everyone has a number. And I think my number would be 500 quay. Anything up to half a mil. If, I, if, if someone said, look, you can get a photo with these two and get it signed, it, it will sell for half a mil. I'll be like, yeah, yeah, all right, cool. I'll take the phone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I, you know, I'm just, I'm just saying, like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry that, but I believe everyone does have a number, and I think it's, I'd be lying to say, yeah, 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 yeah. You could offer me five million, and I'd, I'd still want a conversation with them two for two hours. No, 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 no. Everyone has a number in my head, anyway. For me, so I just needed to hold it out. But in general, yes, I don't want a picture with the president. I just want to talk to the man. I'm glad we know your number now. That'll <laughs> come in handy at some point in the future if I come across half a mil. Um, yeah, I highlighted it because, yeah, it's just a great opening line. And I think it's simple but quite powerful. And then for me, it speaks to the way that, like, the lines between celebrity and politician are quite blurred and have been for some time. Like, you know, Ronald Reagan was an actor but even for those who don't have a background in a celebrity field like acting, they become celebrities. And I sort of, I'll make a distinction between being a celebrity and being famous, because obviously you're going to be famous if you're the leader of a nation. It's impossible to not be famous. But I'm not sure if you should be treated like a celebrity, you know? Like the word celebrity it has the same root as the word to celebrate. And I don't feel like you should just automatically celebrate politicians or you know uncritically celebrate them and i think it's potentially problematic when you treat a leader as a celebrity rather than as a public representative you know they're they're lawmakers and they have a lot of power and you know i think you could potentially absolve them of some responsibility and i think this line highlights that perfectly because if you're so starstruck by a president that you just want to get a picture and an autograph but then that can get in the way of asking like an important question of your political reps. And I just love how J. Cole cuts through that. And he's like, I don't want a picture with the president. I just want to talk to him. He's in charge of the country. He has the power to change people's lives. His decisions affect everyone. And I just want to talk to him about some of the struggles that are going on, make him aware of what life's like for the rest of us. And I just really feel that sentiment. Like our prime minister has cultivated a bit of a celebrity image. You know, everyone calls him by his first name and, he used to always go on TV before he was prime minister. And I don't want a celebrity running the country, you know. I just want someone who's, like, competent and conscientious, um, not someone who just people want to get a photo with. So, yeah, a, a really, really great opening line, man. The facts. Not asking you where it fits in your top 20 because, <laughs> like I said, he's got about 500 tracks in his top 20 opening lines. Um, who's next? I'm up. I've been building me a house back home in the South Bar. Won't believe what it's costing and it's fit for a king, right? Or an N-word that could sing and explain all the pain that it cost him. 
Houston. I've been building me a house back home in the South, my won't believe what it's costing. And it's fit for a king, right? Or a nigga that can sing and explain all the pain that it costs him. 50% snap, bro. I think this is such a great bar. It really reminds me a bit of something that Chris Rock said in one of his shows. <laughs> Shout out Chris Rock for getting slapped by Will Smith and smiling. <laughs> what a champ. <laughs> but yeah, he one of his stand-ups from uh, back in the day, 2008 or something, he talked about his neighborhood and all about his neighbors where he lives. And, and obviously he's very wealthy and he lives in a really exclusive part of L.A., all the houses are like million dollar mansions. And he says there are like four black people in his neighborhood. And it's like him, Jay-Z, Eddie Murphy, and Mary J. Blige. And he talks about how they're all like absolute icons in their field, like world famous. But the white people in his neighborhood just have regular jobs like dentists and financial traders and stuff. And so he just that kind of highlights how you have to do so much more to get into that neighborhood if you're black because the opportunities are much more limited you have to be like a world famous performer or an athlete to have any chance of getting there and and cole kind of hints at that when he says it's fit for a king or an n-word who can sing so it's like you know you got you got to be a performer or is, performing is one of the few ways you can make it big in america if you're not from a, a wealthy elite background i just think it's a really cool way of putting it sick um very similar take but also classic abby has gone stretching again as well so let me tell you what i snapped with you first i won't believe what it's costing and it's fit for a king right or an n-word that could sing and explain all the pain that it cost him first off from a personal point of view fuck me is it expensive getting a house isn't it <laughs> absolutely it's mental and i think it's one of the few things because you know when jay uh, cole saying won't believe what it's costing you're like well mate you're multi multi-millionaire like why are you even complaining about what it might be costing but i think with houses it's one of the few things irrespective of how much you earn you always buy as much as you can get for instance if you can only 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 just afford a three bedroom but things are going to be super tight for you most people always go for the three bedroom you don't turn around and go well i can only just about afford a three bedroom house what i'll do is i'll just buy a one bedroom house and everything else will be a little bit easier and the same goes with deposits you kind of save it and save it and save it and you never say oh let me keep 20 percent of it aside you use it all up in your in, like to get your mortgage to whatever it might might be and you literally feel like you have fucking nothing left like it's just uh, and so i understand why j cole's saying won't believe what it's costing like even for a multi-millionaire even for, no matter how much you earn when it comes to buying properties you end up trying to get as much as you possibly can for it which means exporting a lot of your wealth so i get that the next three lines made me stretch and drift off somewhere else and i exactly know what j cole is alluding to with regards to these lines but for me i just took it elsewhere yeah to give you know cole a little bit more swag and what i want to call it a double entendre vibe so stick with me fit for a king right or an n-word that could sing right alan michael jackson king of pop an n-word that could sing and as well as be in the context of this song be a more reputable neighbor because he's a black guy that turned himself white and he sings he doesn't rap 
Michael conforms to everything I don't know your your baller uber successful neighborhood should look like while J. Cole and his crew probably don't and explain all that pain it cost him that place apparently caught like Neverland it cost apparently an insane amount of money to run but was also kind of the base camp for um, Michael Jackson's public persona demise and all the weird shit that he got accused of do you see where I'm coming from like there's a there's a massive double entendre there with regards to and all the pain that it cost him and it's like oh I just thought that and it, it took me there and I thought that was sick man I thought it was sick but I know that that's not what J. Cole's directly alluding to but I, it just made me go there he was he was the king of pop and it, it cost him <laughs> it definitely cost him who's next you're up my 16 should have came with a coffin my 16 should have came with a coffin it just reminds me of that scene in don't be a menace uh south central i drink your juice in the hood where he's like oh yo this is south central blah blah, blah and you don't seem to make it to 21 like and then he's like happy birthday homie <laughs> and is that for me <laughs> happy birthday homeboy I'm going to tell you the real deal where it goes on in the hood. See, in the hood, most of us won't reach the age of 21. Happy birthday, homie. For me? Yeah. And he's just about to blow the candles out for his 21st birthday. And he just like, he just blows and boom, someone shoots him. Happy birthday, homeboy. For me? Yeah. Make a wish. <laughs> Kills him dead. So I just, I just put that out there it made me laugh you're up again fuck the fame and the fortune well maybe not the fortune but one thing is for sure though fame is exhausting fuck the fame and the fortune well maybe not the fortune but one thing is for sure though the fame is exhausting bro what the fuck is wrong with will smith <laughs> oh man it's exhausting right it's exhausting and look we need to talk about it because i got a few things i need to get off my chest regarding that situation Number one, I could be wrong, and I'm just playing this off the top of my head because I'm just trying to retract some articles I read. I think this is the first time that the Oscar show was being directed and produced by a black individual. It's the first time ever. And it was, yeah, and it was a really important thing because it was like, well, we're getting someone of color show uh, host one of the most prestigious awards of you know, the year and like blah, 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 whatever. And look what happened. So that's number one, right? Number two, if The Rock or anyone that was like from MMA or UFC fighter or someone that could really handle themselves said that joke, would Will Smith have got up and went to, to slap The Rock or slap someone that of physical intimidation? I genuinely, good question. I genuinely believe not. And the third thing is, I would hate to have been Chris Rock's children in that moment, because everyone's talking about, ah, oh, you know, his wife and all this stuff or whatever. But I'm like, you know, Chris Rock got paid and to to provide a service, and his service is to be a comedian. He 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 went up there and just did his job, and. I know comedians like Gervais have made way worse jokes in the past and and other uh, comedians have come there and it's kind of part of parcel of being famous unfortunately it is exhausting because you kind of get rinsed a lot from some angle or whatever 
And the fact that he got up and whacked him like that really, really upset me, man. It really upset me because I'll tell you why. You know me, Alan. Quite a, and you know, I'm not, I'm not, I don't consider myself the most physically intimidating of people or whatever. And I don't, I mean, you know, I'm far from a large man, if that makes sense. I'm telling you now, the amount of times that I've experienced this on a football pitch, on a basketball court, where it's like the big guy or the tough guy can get away with saying or doing whatever the hell he wants because everyone is scared of him. But when I do the exact same thing that that big tough guy's done, well, now you're coming swinging at me and trying to attack me. And I, I, I do feel like I want to stress how much class Chris Rock has for just taking it and not, not actually giving any sense of pushback whatsoever. But, you know, I, I was disgusted by it. And, you know, fuck Will Smith, man. That's literally how I feel about the situation. Yeah, I'm surprised anybody has tried to defend his actions. Like, what, like it's... You may not like the humor. There's no, you know, it could be offensive. It could be unkind. It can be all of those things, but that's not the way to respond. It just isn't. Like, One more thing that you just evoked in me, under no circumstances was Kanye West right at all to do what he did to Taylor Swift. Absolute knob end for doing what he did, right? <laughs> but do you know that a president at the time, an acting president called him a jackass in front of the rest of the world for doing that, right? And everyone, rightly so, condemned his actions. Will Smith, just like the king of pop, portrays this, you know, blends across white and black and white so transcendently. He's the fresh print. He's the darling of the nation or whatever. He's allowed to get up on stage and smack someone in the face like that. And no one's called, like, the, the... the rebuttal is not even anything close to what Kanye done. Not even close. Funny, isn't it? Imagine if Will Smith yeah. was a rapper. Imagine if Will Smith was Kanye West. <laughs> Shout out to Will Smith's hip hop career. Oh, I just, I just realised. I mean, I just realised what I fucking said there. So. <laughs> Mate, if you ever see him now, that's it. <laughs> Anyway, imagine if Will Smith was a rapper. That's my favorite quote. <laughs> One more time. Fuck Will Smith. That's not okay. Don't do shit like that, man. Don't ever behave. Don't even run like that. If you wanted to batter him, batter him backstage. Don't do it in front of like millions and millions and millions of people. Like, or and preempt it. You could have even, how much power do you have? You could have tweeted it and said, anyone makes any remarks about my wife's going forwards in public will feel some consequences. He probably, at least he knew it. At least he'd be like aware of it or whatever. You can't just (laughs) do things like that on the fly in front of everyone. And you know what? I say absolute love and credit to Chris Rock, but more so I feel really bad. I'm pretty sure he has kids. I would never want to be, I would never want to be the child of someone who's just got embarrassed like that in front of the the world. I, I just think he's got so much class and skill for the way that he responded from that. Yeah, he handled it so well, like, really. I mean, I mean, comedians are probably used to people getting in their face when you've been doing live shows for as long as he has. But nonetheless, on that global stage, he really handled it well, like, really well. One thing that people probably haven't noticed, though, is he said, uh, Will Smith said, keep my wife's name out of my, your fucking mouth. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. Wow, dude. 
Yes. It was a G.I. Jane joke. Keep my wife's name out your fucking mouth. And Chris Rock, for one second, he had a he had a joke in him. If you watch the clip again, he was about to say something, and he was about to say something. <laughs> I'm going to, okay? <laughs> I could, oh, okay. I wish he told. I wish we find out what exactly he had because he had something in his back pocket but i think he knew best to not like to not uh, escalate the situation any further anyway let's move on bro who's next i'm up that's why i moved away i needed privacy surrounded by the trees and ivy league that's why i moved away i needed privacy surrounded by the trees and ivy league snap well 100 snap and i went on a little bit further but 100 snap nonetheless bro i just really like how cole he contrasts the sort of humble background with the sort of grandeur of the Ivy League. For Europeans who don't know, the Ivy League is a group of elite US universities, the likes of Harvard and Yale and Princeton, you know, all the famous ones. And I did a bit of research looking into this. The average tuition fee is 56,000 pounds, a dollar, sorry. And they have financial aid, so you, you often don't pay that much. But the net price... Once you've had the financial aid, the cheapest, which is Princeton, is still $13,000, which is actually not far off what, what we, we pay in the UK. But the next cheapest is Yale, with an average net price of $49,000 for tuition. And that's after financial aid, 78 k before. So it's incredibly expensive. For context, in England, tuition is 9000 a year which is about $12,000. We have elite universities here as well. We have something called the Russell Group, which is a collection of universities that basically have their own little elite club. At the moment, they can't charge any more than any of the other universities. Like, you're paying 9000 a year, whether you go to Oxford University or Middlesex University. Like, it doesn't matter. But they have lobbied the government to change that. Like, the Russell Group wants to be able to charge more than the others. And 9000 might seem reasonable to our US listeners based on what they pay but for context in most of Europe is basically free like a, a few hundred euros for admin charges um, Germany France Norway Iceland Austria Poland like all of these countries have really low almost negligible costs for university but people are willing to pay for the name and the rep that comes with an Ivy League education and it's the same reason people will pay so much for an MBA from a big school it sells a story, you know, it sells an image, which is really lucrative. But I just thought, I would maybe think of all the people who aren't incredibly wealthy and who didn't come from those backgrounds, who still got to those institutions with scholarships and stuff. Like you really have to beat the odds to come from like Cole's neighborhood and go to the Ivy League. So hats off to those people. Facts, man. Beautiful take. I snapped you with the first two lines that's why i moved away i needed privacy surrounded by the trees and the ivy league students that's recruited highly thinking you do you and i do me students that's recruited highly thinking you do you and i do me and it got me thinking about me and you alan to be where we are in life is really good going state school education especially <laughs> especially with your attitude towards school when you were there <laughs> we've done we've done really good but imagine going to like an ivy league university nine times out of ten money isn't the motivation right because if you've made it into an ivy league 
you know, if if you haven't done it the financial aid route, it's because your parents are balling enough to like, you know, you already got the money. Money isn't the motivation. Most Ivy League student parents are made and made well enough that the students aren't there to survive. They're there to kind of thrive if their mindset lets them do to do so. And I think Cole is backing this train of thought with this line here. You do you and I do me. It's like you meet someone. It's like I imagine meeting you at Yale and being like, hey, how's it going? You're right. And you're like, yeah, I'm doing applied sciences. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing uh, computer science or whatever. But we're not we're not conflicting or competing against each other from a money perspective because we're not here to try and survive. We're here to just try, try and thrive. And I feel like that's what Cole did. He moved away to give himself privacy to just not be in this whole dog eat dog competitive situation money was dealt with there's always going to be people that earn more money than you or know have more money than you or have more success than you he moved away to do him because he wanted to fall in love with creativity and that's what he built with shelter i mean if you get a chance to watch the nardwa he he explains that really well about what he built there and stuff and so i just love that vibe and i it actually made me think imagine if me and alan like were at Oxford or thingy and I met him in under different circumstances but we still end up at the same place but I'm like even without those things like even though the money struggles or us trying to make it in this world we still end up in a place and a really good place like you know I'm basically blessed to have what I have and I know you're blessed to have what you have and I'm blessed to have you in my life bro and we got bars rhymes in life like we did something creative without having to uh, end up at like a music school that for whatever excellence performance or whatever so i just love the bars and it just made me affiliate to that sort of mindset nice love it yeah completely agree with that take man who's next you're up crib has got a big old back old yard my n-words stand outside and pass cigars filled with marijuana laughing hard thankful that their friends are platinum star in the driveway there's no rapper cars just some shit to get from back and forth Crib has got a big old back of yard. My niggas stand outside and pass cigars. Filled with marijuana, laughing hard. Thankful that they friends are platinum star. In the driveway, there's no rapper cars. Just some shit to get from back and forth. Just some shit to get from back and forth. So I didn't do that any justice whatsoever. But sonically, Cole sounds so good in painting this situation. It's such a calm, like such a basic situation, right? But his tone also offers a hint of confusion, like. What caused my neighbours to suspect me of some crazy shit like being drug dealers? Like, why would they? Why would my neighbours want me to get in trouble? Because if you think about it, if you've got a massive garden, and maybe I could imagine some parents or some like you know cynical people being like, "Well, I'm not happy. They smoke weed in that garden, or I can smell weed in the air, or whatever." But if you've got a massive, massive garden, you've got to consider this is J. Cole, right? So he's probably got a huge garden. I can't imagine you smelling it from the neighbor's yard. Like, I can't see them smelling it. He ain't got no rapper cars, so he's not, like, got mad bling or, like, huge subs. He's telling you that I've just got some standard cars in the drive or whatever. And they're just like, I've got my friends and we just we just mess around. Like, we see us in the garden or whatever. What made them think that we were sl- was slanging dough? What made them think that? Just their image. And the worst thing is, right, all you need to do is probably, like, knock on the door, say hello, I've made you some tea cakes, I've made you some, <laughs> but but honestly, in it, Alan, like, do you know what I'm trying to say? If you suspect someone, you would, you would try to just do a little bit of subtle investigation, 
what created a situation where the SWAT team came? Like, that's nuts. That's bonkers, mate. And so I, I totally loved the... Sonically, this sounded beautiful to me, the way he delivers it, but also just the the tone of suggestion of like why i don't even get it like why did they even do that so i just thought it was sick and wanted to highlight it it reminds me of that episode of boondocks f granddad when um magnificent moves in opposite them and he 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 like complains about him and they get into a big fight and start making disc records to each other you know what it is, Fat Man Scoop on the radio right here. New Thugnificent F Granddad, the first diss record against somebody's family member. And it's got my main man, Nate Doggity Dog, on the hook. Check it out. I haven't seen that episode. Like, I haven't seen Boo Docs like oh, inside out. Incredible. But when you, you say the it. word thugnificent, <laughs> I'm watching that straight after we saw it. What a name. Episode. What a name. <laughs> Uh, you're up again. Welcome to the shelter. This is pure. We'll help you if you've felt too insecure to be the star you always knew you were. Wait, I think police is at the door. Welcome to the shelter. This is pure. We'll help you if you felt too insecure to be the star you always knew you were. Wait, I think police is at the door. Alan, follow me on this one. Yeah, you ready? You ready? Welcome to the Oscars, where we present awards for artistic and technical merit in the film industry. These are regarded by many as the most prestigious and significant awards in the entertainment industry worldwide. Wait, I think Will Smith is at the door. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. That's ex- that's, oh, what happened to Cole is exactly what happened to Chris Rock at the, the awards ceremonies. Trust. Banger. <laughs> that might be one of my best setup jokes ever. Oh, man. Will Smith is never living this down. That was it. That's all I wanted to do, bro. No, and, and I, I wanted I to it. paint it. It, like, it does happen a lot to us, isn't it? Where you might be just, uh, I mean, I don't want to bring a bad situation up, but I remember I was casually working with a, a Nigerian pharmacist that I got nothing but love and time and respect for in Stockwell. And it was just a normal day. And then out of nowhere, police were at the door with, well, they're armored police. And they literally grabbed me and threw me out the shop, told everyone else to leave the shop because basically the Brazilian, I can't remember his name. I think it was Dominguez. They, they falsely thought he had a, he was a suicide bomber and they shot him. They ran, all the SWAT ran down uh, the tube station and they, they killed him in cold blood, didn't it? And they killed him on the tube and. So, you, you know, you can just be normally doing your own stuff, minding your own business, whatever. And out of nowhere, oh, well, hang on a minute, police are at the door. Like, what the? And it just takes you to a completely random place in life. Like, and it can really mess with you. And I feel like for Cole to put this in a song, it probably did affect him. It probably made him question and reflect a lot of shit. Like, huh? So, facts, man. Who's next? You're up. Even when your crib sit on a lake, even when your plaques hang on a wall, even when the president jam your tape, 
took a little break just to annotate how I feel, damn, it's late. I can't sleep because I'm paranoid. Even when your crib sit on a lake, even when your plaques hang on a wall, even when the president jam your tape, took a little break just to annotate how I feel, damn, it's late. I can't sleep because I'm paranoid. I think I'm just following on what I just previously said before in the sense that, you know, <laughs> he's made a success out of his life. He's got a crib sitting on a lake. He's got plaques to show how successful he is. His, the, the president at the time will listen to his music and yet his neighbours think he's saying, selling dope. You know, what, like, what is it going to take for him to just be accepted? And I think about this with family relationships and just relationships in general, Alan. Like, I'm like, even though I did this for you, even when I did that for you, you still saw the worst in me and you still stereotyped me. And on top of stereotyping me, it, was, it wasn't enough to just stereotype me. You try to fuck me over as well. Like, they, they stereotype J. Cole as a drug dealer, right? And then rather than just sort of go, ah, oh, they're drug dealers, let me keep my business out of my business as long as they don't really come and affect me. They they, they literally sent SWAT. Alan, imagine if SWAT came through your house, bro. And you found out it was wow. Abby. Abby made the phone call. <laughs> yeah, that's insane. Who's next? You're up again. Black in a white man territory, cops bust in with army guns. No evidence of the harm we done. Just a couple of neighbours assumed that we slang. Only time they see us will be on the news in chains. Damn. Black in a white man territory. Cops bust in with the army guns. No evidence of the harm we done. Just a couple of neighbours that assume we slang. Only time they see us we be on the news in chains. Damn. Semi-snapped there. Crazy, isn't it? Like, what must have they done? Or what did the neighbours do to conclude that J. Cole and his mates were slanging dope? Smoking weed in a massive garden doesn't count. Different people going in and out, I, in my opinion, don't, don't count. Like, just because you've got visitors or people coming in and people coming out, that'll make it, oh, they must be selling drugs. Like, why, how does that make sense? I just think it's so hard to be successful when out of struggle and still stay you. And this passage really links me up to K. Dot's track on fair. You know, where you are, who you are, and what you might like turn turn out to be. Like, what is the point of being successful, making all that money, moving to the most expensive place in town, just to be perceived as drug dealers? Was it is it is it worth it? When he says only time they see us would be on the news in chain, he's saying like it doesn't matter what I did, like it doesn't matter how right and how carefully I do it these people just never ever going to see me as anything else but either than the s-word or like you know criminals yeah it's it's about perception isn't it it's like before he went into that neighborhood they just didn't see people of color in their everyday lives and the only time they saw people of color was when they were watching cops or when they were looking on the news and that's what he's saying it's like this is the only image you have of us that's the only example you have of, of seeing us. This is your stereotype. Yeah, it's crazy, man. I snapped you on just a part of that line. Cops bust in with the army guns. No evidence of the harm we've done. And I just think it's a really interesting line about the militarization of the police. That cops bust in with army guns. And the reason for that is that I did a bit of research. After 9-11, the US government introduced a number of programs that enabled 
the military to transfer the old equipment to local police forces. Uh, specifically, the, I think it's the 1033 federal program, which allows them to transfer equipment free of charge. And nearly 65% of law enforcement agencies received military equipment through that scheme. So you think you know how much the US spends on military. They are, you're not going to outgun them, right? They are very well equipped. And, and the military can give all of their old gear that they're not using to local police. And so now you see police rolling up in armored vehicles with military weapons and military grade uh, equipment it's no wonder why they look like they're equipped to go to war they are it's crazy that's terrifying i had no idea of that and the u.s military hand-me-downs are literally like the equivalent of a re refurbed <laughs> alienware laptop yeah. do you know what i'm trying to say like yeah it's better than most countries like first grade <laughs> that is scary to say the least bro that is well oh, that's shook me up and i don't even live in the country but hey, facts who's next i'm up don't follow me don't follow me don't follow me just a short one here i think this is incredible economy of words I think he's saying so much with just those three words, don't follow me. Yeah, he's speaking to people who might follow in his footsteps, move into the suburbs. But as he says, like, I'm not necessarily happy here. I'm, you know, being stereotyped. So, so don't follow me here. But at the same time, you think about Trayvon Martin, who he mentions earlier in this song, who was followed by that dude through a neighborhood for no reason and then killed. Now you think about all of the young black men who are walking through rich neighborhoods where they have like armed security and private cops and all that stuff and how they must be thinking just don't follow me like just don't follow me and it's powerful man it's really powerful all right mate that's an unbelievable take from you and you know didn't pick it up but also from the way that he delivers it i'm definitely feeling that 100 percent, man so what an amazing take. Appreciate that. Nice because I think I follow straight on from you with so much for integration. Don't know what I was thinking. I'm moving back to Southside. So much for integration. Don't know what I was thinking. I'm moving back to Southside. Alan, I'm pretty sure you'll find out there in Kent. But just in case, for whatever reason, <laughs> you get interrogated, you get swatted up, you get your house door kicked in with militarized police, there'll always be a place here for you in Hounslow, dog. You, you, you're my dog for life, yeah? <laughs> so if you want to move back to Hounslow or come back to the south side, man, we'll, we'll happily take you any day of the week, bro. Appreciate it, man. Always home. Nothing but love to J. Cole. Nothing but love to all the Coles fans. Nothing but love to all the BRL listeners out there. Nothing but love to you, Alan. One. Peace. So much for integration. Don't know what I was thinking. I'm moving back to Southside.